Welcome to Madang. Today's guest is Reverend Bruce Reyes Chow, a fellow Presbyterian Church minister. In this episode, he discusses AAPI Heritage Month, how we need to celebrate and stop AAPI hate crimes and violence towards the AAPI community. And then he discusses his latest book, In Defense of Kindness. Please stay tuned. Mandy Ford is an artist and teacher specializing in hope-filled products, including stickers and art prints, digital and printable products, and creative courses to help your soul live a happier life. She is also the founder of Soul Care Creatives Club, a monthly membership club offering creative resources for soul care. Find out more at www.mandyford.co, follow her on her social media at Mandy Ford Art, and visit her shop at Mandy Ford Art. Etsy.com. Diana Butler Bass goes beyond the culture wars to offer a refreshing take on the comprehensive, multifaceted nature of Jesus, keeping his teachings relevant and alive in our daily lives. Join the Louisville Institute to celebrate the retirement of Don C. Ryder as Associate Director on June 28, 2021, from 3.30 to 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time via Zoom. For free registration, Go to www.facebook.com slash Louisville Institute for more information. For sponsorship inquiries, please email madangpodcast.gmail.com. This is Madang, an outdoor living room for guests to share their experiences and their work. I invite you to come in and stay for a while. Welcome to Madang. I'm so glad you're with us today. I have a very special friend, a wonderful guest, Reverend Bruce Reyes Chow. He's an author, speaker, parent, consultant, coach, podcaster, and pastor. He speaks and writes on issues of faith, technology, race, parenting, and church culture. He has been an ordained pastor in the Presbyterian Church USA for over 25 years and is currently the senior pastor of First Presbyterian Church of Palo Alto, senior consultant with the Convergence Network and a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach. He hosts the podcast BRC and Friends and is the author of four exciting books. His latest is In Defense of Kindness, um, subtitle In Defense of Kindness, Why It Matters, How It Changes Our Lives, and how it can change the world, published by Chalice Press uh, 2021. He has an active online presence and can be found on most social networks via Re Bruce uh, B. Reyes Chow. So thank you so much, Bruce, for coming on today. It's so exciting. And I'm a little nervous because you have been podcast <laughs> host for so many years and I'm just new at this. Uh. You're my uh seventh guest. So I'm very new at this. I'm so nervous that I'm going to mess this up. But uh, I'm so glad you can join with me today. I'm very excited to talk about your book. But before uh, we get into the book, let's just talk a little bit about your family and how you are surviving the pandemic. And I know your youngest is a senior. So just share a little bit about yeah. your family. Yeah, well, I'm so glad to be here. Uh... I'm glad to reconnect. And, you know, I always think of you as like every month, it seems like you've written a new amazing book. I can feel, I'm like, how, like, is this, how does somebody just keep writing so many books? Like how many do you have going on at the same time? So that I'm, I just, I'm, and then, and then you just oh, casually. You know what? No, it's only a certain amount. But last week I was on a podcast and the person introduced me as the author of 32 books. And I thought, okay, I'll take it. But I had to correct him after. It's not that many, but anyway, you're too kind. <laughs> well, I'm sure I, I was like 32. That's probably sounds right. I'm like, that's, I, I believe it. Well, and then you're just casually hanging out with, you know, Jesse Jackson and, you know, and, you know, and Al Sharpton. You're just uh, chilling. Yeah. Cause you're, <laughs> you're too kind. I was yeah. actually really excited to have both of them on my podcast. So Reverend Jackson, I was, I was at ease with them because it oh, was sure. a but with, with Reverend Sharpton, I had become really ill, so I had to cancel it. And oh. then we scheduled it. And that, that day, the the audio wasn't working. Oh, no. So then we had to reschedule. So I was under a lot of um, 
kind of stressed and I felt so bad because he's so, so busy. But anyway, the recording went well and he was such a gracious host. And oh, it was just great to be with him because he invited us to be on his uh, Politics Nation MSNBC. So I was just glad that he was going to actually come on my that's podcast, great. Yeah. my small little podcast. But anyway, it was great. So that's, that's awesome. Anyway, yeah, and I'm so glad you're on it too because you're such a big name. You were like the moderator of the PCUSA that I'm part of, so you're a big deal. Well, I, I, I tell I tell my kids that um, it's like your dad is very important to a very small group of people. So, um, <laughs> well, I, again, I'm glad to be here, and I think you and I have always kind of connected because we have children that are similar ages, and we'll try not to talk about them in a way that they wouldn't want us to talk about them in public because I'm sure they're both they're all used to like, oh my goodness, my mom, my dad, they need to. Stop. I know. Yeah, they, you know what? We're very similar in that we both have three kids. Our eight, the ages are very similar. And you and I are born in the same year. Yeah. And just a day apart. A day and apart. Both yeah, both Presbyterians. Yeah. Now both podcast hosts and authors and ordained ministers. So we have a lot in common. Asian we American. <laughs> we do. That is so I didn't I don't know why I didn't catch the your birthday is the day after mine, but that's, that's yeah. Awesome. That's cool. So in the Korean tradition, um, uh, even if you're just born a day ahead, I just I, don't I, I was I was just gonna say I'm still your elder. Let's yeah, just be you clear. are. You are my elder. I have to respect you. I have to like bow down to you. That's right. That's right. I expect. Yeah. I, I would expect. I would, I would expect that. I you know I I I would mess with in the churches that I've uh, worked at or started. I would mess with like the Korean Americans and they come up to me. They just shake my hand and I'm like, no 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 no. You got to shake my hand the right way. And they're like, oh my goodness. They're like, what? And I'm like, come on. I know what's going on. <laughs> Get with it. Come on. Let me walk on him to you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Moksani. Hey, how do you know that word? Moksani is Korean for minister. Oh, uh, because I. Yeah, I mean, I Moksani is Samanim, right? Is it the. Yeah, the, Samanim. Yeah, yeah. So uh -huh. I. Well, so it was interesting. My, my life has been in around uh, multi Asian cultures because my mom. Uh, which I write about in the book was married to a, a Korean American who was awful, horrible. I write, I, I, he's in the book. I, I don't change his name to protect him, but he was Korean. So I was actually Bruce Kim for about <laughs> nine years. So I, I can't yeah. believe you were yeah. Bruce Kim. <laughs> so I was Bruce Kim for a little bit, and then so my grandmother, like I, Mandu, like I mean, I learned all the stuff, and I still, you know, that part of me was a, a an experience that is has formed me in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, and then mm -hmm. pastoring a progressive church as an Asian American, we drew all of these Korean American young people who were in more traditional and or conservative churches of their parents. And so they came and they didn't quite know what to do with me because I'm Asian, but I'm also not Korean and not formal. So they were like, what's good? Like they would not like they didn't know how they're supposed to address me. And so I it was fun. I got to met, just mess with them. Uh, oh, that's that's so funny because um, and you are my Asian-American uh, Pacific Islanders Heritage Month guest, too. So I'm glad you shared a little bit of your um, Asian-American background and, and your different father. And yep. trust, I'm glad. Is there anything else you want to add about uh, AAPI Heritage Month? Because oh, you are my guest. <laughs> Because so you it, are was, Asian -American. it was, it was funny. I, uh, the church I'm pastoring now, First Presbyterian Church of Palo Alto, was predominantly white, and it's I'm their first uh, head of staff of color, and uh, and and I've had a. The reason I'm there is because they're so theologically progressive, like social justice. It's, it's every Sunday is social justice Sunday, and I love it. I just think it's it's wow. it just feeds me, and and they're trying to figure out how to retell their story. But I was joking with a few of them, like. Well, you know, for here, you know, it's it's every month is Asian American History Month now for you all because your head of staff is Asian. So, because like, are we gonna do anything? I'm like, you hired me. I mean, there's your Asian American history era at First Presbyterian Church. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad you said that because we are important, aren't we? We are 60% of the world population. Here in the US, we're only 6%, but we are kind of like the majority of the world. But here in the US, we are so marginalized. Yeah, yeah. So it's wonderful that you actually became the moderator of a white denomination, PCUSA. And, you know, people respect you and your leadership. So thank you so much for all that you do and you continue to do. It's it's very exciting to have another Asian American colleague like you kind of doing stuff. And, and, and when we get into the book, you're going to talk about activism, too, and that mm -hmm. you are so active and and you're fighting for social justice. So I'm so I'm so happy um, that there is an Asian American male, another Asian American person who is fighting the good fight and, and working for social justice. So okay. thank well, you I, pre so I appreciate that. Appreciate it. I'll just take the affirmation and not deflect it. <laughs> yeah, take it because you know what? As Asian Americans, we deflect it all the time. Yeah. Particularly Asian American woman was like, oh, no, oh, yeah. we have to ourselves. We have to like do all that thing for, you know, what's so embedded in our culture. So yeah. it's hard to kind of uh, accept praise and endorsements and things like that. So I'm glad you're able to take mine because I really do appreciate all that you do and the many books that you've written and the blogs and all the stuff that you do on social media and Twitter. Like I don't have that many followers, but you're there tweeting and doing all these exciting things. So thank you uh, for all that you do. Again, appreciate appreciate it. Though I will say that as good Asian Americans, we have to say, I'll, I'll take the affirmation rather than just take, like, it's, it's an interesting dynamic, right? Where we have to, so we're not, I'm not really take, like, it's, it's a very, I get this, because I don't think it's necessarily bad to defer sometimes, right? But it's at the same time, like, okay, I, my mind process is, I'm going to consciously not deflect and defer and receive it. It's just a, it's a fascinating space that we live in these days around all of this so yeah, yeah it really is yeah. and i'm so glad to have you as my aapi heritage month because i think overall in the us we don't celebrate it as much we are still made invisible we are marginalized and so we don't even ourselves celebrate it enough so yeah. i'm just glad that you are with me this month and i hope um, that listeners will continue to just come back to this podcast and listen to it throughout the year and not just yeah. Um, during the month of May. I think it's just important to celebrate our differences and different cultures that exist here in the U.S. Well, yeah, and that I think one of the interesting things is that, um, well, it's an important time, and especially these days in the particularities of, you know, this season of 2021, if you are listening to this later on, where there's this rise in reported anti-Asian hate crimes, and there's this Try people trying to have a reckoning with what it means to be Asian American in the United States, and even the Asian American community being torn about how to approach safety and solidarity and all that. I think it's just it's such an interesting, important, I think, revelatory time for us uh, as Asian Americans and part of culture. Uh, that yeah, so I'm I'm glad glad to be with you. So let's do it. Yeah, thank you so much. And that's a good way to kind of lead into your book, because your book is so important. When we think about all these AAPI hate crimes and the violence and the verbal abuse that we're experiencing. So your book, In Defense of Kindness, actually helps us address these things. So I just want to read some of the endorsements that you got, because I thought they were so good. Um, one from Karen, uh, from Bishop Karen um, Oliveto, who's uh, Mountain Sky Conference. Uh, part of it says, with self-reflective honesty and vulnerability, he shows us what a life of kindness entails. From the personal sphere to the public sphere, in defense of kindness challenges us to look at relationships through the lens of dignity and respect and engage in behaviors and centers and center kindness as a radical act that honors the humanity of all. And I just thought, you know, she, that was such a wonderful endorsement. And I just want to say also that you begin your book with Mr. Rogers, a quote, and then you end with Mr. Rogers. And what you, how you begin is um, there are three ways to ultimate success. The first is to be kind. The second is to be kind. And the third is to be kind. And that's from uh, Reverend Fred Rogers, who is... Um, uh, PCUSA minister. So I thought it yep. was very appropriate. And then you, in the preference, you wrote, oh, that Mr. Rogers, I hope you're proud of yourself for the times you've said yes. 
when all it meant was extra work for you and was seemingly helpful only to somebody else. So that one you quoted from uh, from Fred Rogers. So, you know, you got wonderful endorsements. I only just read one and then you begin and you close the book with Fred Rogers. I'm just, can you just tell us what led you to write a book in defense of kindness, the, the, the subject of kindness? That's something that I would have never thought of writing a book on or even a blog on, but you wrote a whole book. And I must mention it's Childless Press for those who are interested and, and want to read more. It's uh, In Defense of Kindness from Chalice Press 2021. So what led you? Yeah, so, you know, I I had started this project. So I, when it comes to book writing, you know, there are folks like you who write out of a, a deep, uh, moving academic space, like you're smart. <laughs> Right, and you have the dis, and you have the di you have the discipline. Now you're just going to take these affirmations. So there you go. You have this discipline, okay, like okay, it, I'll it, take it's a genre. Like I don't, I don't. There's not a competition between. Like I'm basically, I'm sitting around with all this stuff in my head, and I come up with these great titles. I'm like the kid who comes up with band names before you learn how to play the instrument, and so I come up with these titles. I'm like, oh, there's a book in that. And so I, I came up with this idea because I think when folks meet me and they hang out with me and they know me, I, I think folks would generally say I'm a pretty kind person and that I'm pretty optimistic about the world and about people, which is not actually true. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually am very um, cynical about the world and I have to have a discipline to not let that ruin my, to run my life and my worldview. And I, so I really am much more, um, it's been a, a discipline and a practice for me to assume the best of people and assume that folks are more than this one dimensional thing that they offer to the world or the world defines for them. And so that's really where this book is about is that if, if I believe each of us is a complex created being and not just believe it, but then I'm going to act as if that's true, that changes how I'm going to live in the world. And so I started having this idea. I, I wrote the proposal out, sent it into Chalice and they, they accepted it. We were, you know, you know, this is about you write the contract and the whole thing. And then later and then i said i can't i don't have the time energy i just can't do it and i was i was not feeling kind about the world because this is after 2016. a couple years into that i'm sitting in the movie theater watching mr rogers documentary and it's his first episode if you if you haven't seen the documentary i highly encourage people to watch it the first episode of mr rogers is about king friday building a wall around the kingdom in order to protect it and and then they look at the way that Mr. Rogers took on racism and and where he sits in this the pool with Francoise and like and I leaned over to my wife and I'm like, I probably should pick up this kindness book again. I mean, I, it feels like I was losing my commitment to the discipline. And then the next day, I this is a true story. The publisher, Brad from Chalice, sends me an email and says, Hey, you ready to pick up the kindness book? And I was like, Whoa whoa so we so i finished it out i wrote it pretty quickly actually it's not a long book it's not again uh it's it's not a deeply academic researched but it's a it's a half memoir half encouragement inspiration my target group are like first year in college i want folks to enter that phase in their life with a different mindset about the world. I think we've, we've, we've ruined so much for that next generation that my gift and hope was to be like, let's look at the world through a different lens and, and act accordingly. Yeah. Well, you wrote a bit about that in the, in the introduction too, because I remember you writing about how uh, Brad from Chalice had emailed you that next day. So I'm glad you wrote about it. And, I, and for those who haven't watched the documentary, it was so moving. I thought, you know, I thought, oh, it's going to be so boring. Oh. But I was like, it captivated me the whole oh, yeah. life of the movie. I was so touched. And I just thought, I wish there were more Fred Rogers in the world. Oh. Our world 
will be so different. And actually you, because you begin and you close with Fred Rogers, I was kind of excited about that because anybody who thinks of Fred Rogers, all they can think of is, oh, he talked about kindness and being kind. Mm -hmm. And you were able to catch that in this very, very important book. Even though I think your target says uh, first year college, I think it's a book for all ages. I think younger kids should pick it up, older people, and then, you know, as you age, we can get a bit more <laughs> uh, heart hearted yeah. and more grumpy. And I think we need that kind of book because you know what? I think myself, I'm very funny in person, but my books are kind of boring, right? Or some <laughs> of them are, most of them are boring. But actually your book was kind of exciting and so interesting because you shared so much of your life. Was that hard to do or is that easy to do? Because you share stuff that I thought, if I shared this, I would probably die if I shared some of my secrets. <laughs> well, but you it, openly shared so much. But I've always that's always been me. I think if folks know me um, and if you followed my blogs and everything, I, like I, so people are like you share so much, but I'm like, well, I don't share everything though. Like just just so everybody knows, like I'm not like you know, it, it's all relative, right? Privacy and yeah. all that is all relative. But I think you know, for me, like in my preaching, in my speaking. If I don't feel moved by the thing that I'm doing, then what, then good Lord, why would anybody else? So, and that's always been about, you know, there was a time where preaching, you were taught preaching, like, don't talk about yourself. And there's a difference between making yourself the hero and saying, I've experienced these, here's how I've moved through this in a genuine way. And I, I always try to, you know, make sure I don't cross that line. But part of me is like, I, I, have been the privilege of living some kind of interesting things, nothing hugely dramatic. Like I don't have this like penultimate story that has defined my life. Like most of us, I think we just live life and we have all this stuff that goes on. And I think the more we are willing to share that in appropriate ways, the, the more we actually will get to see each other as more than one dimensional. Like I, I, I'm on my Instagram feed, for instance, if folks go look at that, that at B. Reyes Chow, I, for those that would say you need to do everything that's about social justice, they're going to be disappointed because I just posted pictures about like a vacation with some friends because that's part of what we do. And then, and then I'll have a post that got hugely controversial about pushing on the Asian American community, not to lean into anti-blackness and incarceration and and boy i just got hate stuff all that right really oh, oh yeah wow. yeah you should go back here it's like oh my goodness but it's it was good to know and to realize that the asian american community is hugely broad and split about how to handle stuff so i think it's important for me to write in a way that feels real and genuine because i think so many times preachers and speakers it does it almost feels like it's it's a it's performative and i've that's never been me some people do that really well and i won't take away from that but i that's not been me i'm like i feel like folks mm -hmm. once they get to know me they feel like they know me and and generally they do i mean so um it was cathartic i'll, I'll tell you a quick quick story I'm, I'm recording the audio book right now kind of in these couple of weeks that we're talking and there's mm -hmm. a chapter on my grandfather that i could not get through without crying well, that's the one I wanted to get into. Oh, okay. I could not get through it. Because that's so the I, one I was going to go to. I read it and I, you know, and you know, and you're, you're trying to keep pushing through and you have it. And I, I just left it. And I'm, I told I, in the notes, I'm like, so, Hey David, if you want me to re-record this, I can, but I think there's something about me being able to getting through it, but this is. I, you know, I, I read, I wrote it and have read it multiple times, but reading it out loud, yeah. it was just like my grandfather was sitting right next to me again. Right. So anyway, let me get all teary now. So yeah, I mean, it's yeah. Anyway, so thank yeah. you for noticing that. I do try to be as personal and appropriate as possible in all of my writing. Yeah. And when I say, you know, you share a lot and I think that's really good and people and, and sharing is all relative to, and there are boundaries. So, you yeah. know, as you said too, because I actually share a lot in my blogs and my writing and preaching and public speaking. Yeah. So people come up to me after and go, wow, you shared so much about your life. And I feel like my yeah. life is still so private, but 
but to the outside world, they think because I shared a story, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, you're so public with your stories. But you know, some of them you, you just repeat yeah. over and over because some of them are so funny. But yeah, and I think the stories and my first guest for Madang was actually Diana Butler Bass and her new book, Freeing Jesus. And this is something that a lot of women have a hard time because men keep telling us, you know, don't talk about your experience, you know, don't share. And, you know, feminist theology example, mm -hmm. you know, all you do is share your stories and experiences. That's not theology. Yeah. And so I've always struggled with it. And and in that in her book, she talks about memoir theology, how important it is. And when I think about that, and when she emphasized it, that's kind of like what I've been doing. And when we think of all of Christian theologians, they had to have written from their life. You yeah. know, when we think about Luther and Augustine, everybody talked about their life, not in great detail, but surely their life came in. So that's why I really, really appreciated your book. And then the the thing that you just mentioned about your grandmother, so I wanted to get to there. Yeah. That, that section was called, sometimes it's most difficult to be kind to the people who are closest to mm -hmm. us. And yeah. I thought, that is like a chapter for me or for all of us. And in Korea, we have a saying, those who are nice outside are so mean to those <laughs> when they come home. I'm not saying it correctly, but there's yeah, a yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you understand. So tell us, but before you get into that, tell us, yeah. give us a definition of kindness. Because I want oh, yeah, yeah. For, the, for everyone to know, what do you mean by kindness? And then go to your grandmother. Yeah, story. no, I think that that's important because I think there is a little bit of a kindness industrial complex right now where, you know, like be kind, like there's kindness bars, there's be kind t-shirts. All this stuff, and which you know, it's not bad, but at the same time, like okay, no. So you have that, and then you have people that if I were to ask anybody about if they have children or they're raising children or they're children adjacent, I'm like, do you want your child to be kind? Nobody says no, but yet nobody really wants to do it because I think we have a warped sense of what that means. I have one of my uh, a common friend of ours on Twitter one uh, at one point during the book launch says. I don't want to read your book because it may force me to act differently. And, I think it will. <laughs> and, 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 and I think, and, I, and one of, I think one of the other reviews that I really appreciated was from Jeff Yang. And he said, it made me really uncomfortable because you have to, I'm like, I'm pushing on our people to think back about how we treat one another. And I think that's, that's okay. And I, and I hope I'm a trusted source from that, right. That it's not as a matter of, I just, I want, I disagree with you. So you have to act differently anyway. So when I, so when I think of kindness, I think too many people default to kindness just means being nice, avoiding conflict, you know, letting things go. And I, that's not what I think when I define kindness, I define kindness as, as, as believing that every person is created and complex and that, that you not just believe that, but that you act as if you believe it's, if it's true, like you're, it changes the way you behave. Because it's one thing for me to think ideologically or politically, yes, that person has a family, I'm sure they've had struggle, but I'm still going to be a jerk to them. And it's another thing to say, okay, that informs them, and I'm going to treat them in a way, that I'm still going to call them on their stuff and challenge them, but I'm not going to do so in a way that strips away their humanity, because I don't want that done to me. I don't think that's a good model for our, our our next generation, and I think it only divides us unnecessarily, um, simply because we can't see humanity in one another. And I just think that that is that's not the way I choose to live. It 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 I feel it eating at my soul when I start to lean into that too much. And my the story that you you bring up about my grandmother. So my grandmother is one of those people that. Uh, you know, you either call stubborn, determined, whatever. I mean, she was just a firecracker. Um, she's the kind of person that till, you know, she, she had to go in for surgery at one point for, cause her arteries were all clogged up because she smoked and, uh, ate pork adobo all the time. And, and she got the arteries cleared up and then she was like this new person. And we're like, Oh, that's what grandma's like. And then we go over like a week after she gets out of the hospital and we walk into our house and we walk into the kitchen and she's clearly cooking pork adobo again. And she has a cigarette. And she's trying to hide it from us. I'm like, Grandma, 
But, you know, and so we're at the point like, you know, 80, 80, 81, 82. I'm like, whatever, you know, you can do whatever you want. So this is kind of how she went through life. And so while there was this wonderful part about her, she was also had this this kind of thing where she was kind of mean. Like she just like she did what she was going to do and almost didn't care about it. And then combined with my grandfather, who was super sweet, the kindest person you'd ever meet. And I always default towards him and and it's it's just this kind of great convergence of good and bad together and they eventually separated and divorced and uh so the story i think you remember though is my grandmother um uh, was a deacon in our church so for those of you not in the church it's it's kind of the the group that's charged with tending to the members and hospital visits and sickness and all that kind of thing and but my grandmother would never go to the hospital because she was always afraid that she was the one somebody was waiting for to show up before they could die like she always believed that you're always waiting for someone before you could die and my grandmother was so (laughs) i love the fact that she believed she was going to be the person for anybody who she visited in the hospital (laughs) they're they're waiting for me (laughs) i'm like okay grandma (laughs) so that's her personality and so when my grandmother uh, was finally at her end of her life and she was on life support and all these things. And if you read the story, I, I, I hope you find some humor and affection in it. But at the end of it, it. <laughs> the end of it, my mother leans, leans over to my mom and whispers, you know, dad's not coming. Like you're like, if you're waiting for my, your, your ex-husband to come and show up, he's not coming. And then she died 20 minutes later. But you have to, you forgot the part where you guys took her off. Well, I know. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, so, that, that, yeah, that, yeah, that's the important. Yeah. That's the important. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we're, this is so funny. There's so, I know I've, your book better than you. <laughs> there's so much, there's so much of in that, in that whole episode that's not yeah. even in the book. Yeah. Like, that's we had, true. My, my, my church at that point had the worst pastor ever. Oh, he was horrible. And my mom and I are both ministers. So we told him during this phase of my grandmother's death, you be the family pastor. Like we're we're going to be family members. Do not, you know, and I know that I and my mother, we could be a little intimidating if we want to be, but we were very clear with him. We are just going to be family. You do, you be our pastor. It was the funeral of, of uh, Princess Diana. We're sitting there in the room. My grandmother is like hit or miss. And he says, I'm going to go watch the funeral. Let me know if you need me. <laughs> oh my that you should have put in the book. Oh my goodness. That I can't believe that. It was, so the, the other one is he comes, he comes in he, and, and his shirt is like wrinkled. And, and my, some of my siblings look at my mom and I are like, can't the church afford to buy him an iron? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And then, the best part is, I, I should have put this part in, it was just because it was really funny, but I, I tried not to make it too much of a religious book. So uh, he comes in and we're all sitting around and this is towards the end. We were just deciding to take my grandmother off of life support. She's bloated. Like my mom and I are ready to take her off life support days earlier, but the rest of the family quite wasn't ready. And he looks at her and he says, this is the face of Jesus. And we're all like, Jesus is a, bloated dying 84 year old woman like what and all all the people there are like what does that even mean i'm like i don't know i don't know he's just saying words now so yeah and we had the worst oh my goodness so but anyway so my grandmother this uh, the stubborn nature of her um so yeah i'll give i'll give away the the heart of the story so the stubborn nature of her she uh we're all around her we had all said our goodbyes and i had told people that you know when you turn off the machines, it's not as if they take one grasp and then they're like, they ease into death. If, if anybody's ever had to be with, with folks. And so turn off all the machines and they're waiting. Like everybody you could just see is waiting. And then she breathes and then she keeps breathing. And, you know, I think my relatives were like, she's going to die. Right. Like that's, it's going to be instantaneous. I'm like, well, it might take a few minutes. And then it was like hours and we just start laughing. Our whole family is standing around our dying grandmother laughing. People must have been like, what is going on in there? But, you know, I think 
you know, for, for those of you that have been in those moments of gr deep grief, but also deep affection and deep love, and you're so tired, and sometimes all you can do is laugh because it just feels good. It's cathartic and it's healing. And we're, so we were like doubled over laughing so hard that grandma basically said to us, oh, you think you can decide for me? But when have you ever decided for me? <laughs> And then my, my mom whispered to her, dad's not coming. Grandma's like, okay, then I'm out. I mean, that was basically, I mean, that's basically what happened. And we're like that, that she, that was totally, you know, as the young people say, totally on brand. She died on her terms, lived on her terms. And sometimes those terms weren't always great. I mean, I think that was part of the, the, the chapter is that I think she took advantage of my grandfather. She often wasn't the kindest person in the world. Um, and sometimes that creates these schisms that can't be repaired and we have to decide whether we're going to live with those or not. And I think that that's, it's a really hard thing to do because it requires us to step into spaces and maybe admit that we hold some part of why that division is there. And none of us really wants to do that. We may all talk about wanting to be humble and willing to change and, and all that, but most of us really don't want to do that. Like, it's mm. just too hard. I mean, how hard is it to apologize to your child right mm -hmm. i mean the times i've had to apologize to my child are really hard but you're choosing your relationship and you know if you don't if you don't heal it or if you as the as the parent if you don't model here's how i may have messed up and i apologize and i'm going to try to be better in the, in the future if you don't model that for our kids how are they going to do that with those closest to them in the future of their life so that's why I wrote that chapter. And I think folks might have been like, are oh, you going to talk bad about your grandma? I'm like, I don't, I, I, this is just my grandmother. This is just how she was. And, you know, the, the best no, and worst of her. I thought you wrote it beautifully. I, and I, you know, it was funny. So I was able to laugh. I felt bad laughing. But, you know, you, you kind of, because it's such a serious moment. <laughs> yeah. But then you brought in all that. So I just thought you write. It's so witty. and But you get to the point with your personal story. So I really actually appreciate it because, you know, these are stories that you share that are so common to a lot of us, Yeah. you know, with people dying and then, you know, raising kids and all that. So I really appreciated that chapter. And then the other chapter, you know, there's so many good uh, pieces here, you know, because of lack of time, we're not going to get to all yep. of them. I thought, you know, we live in this digital world and now with the pandemic, you know, everything is digital. I even actually ended up doing a wedding via mm. zoom because it was in canada and the border is still closed oh right right yeah so we are online a lot and so how you know you wrote a chapter on the, the digital aspect and so forth and you shared about how roseanne and i thought wow roseanne uh, i know told you because he part of that and then you you put the screenshot in your book uh, he loves to chow well he, there was a longer but i just yeah, took yeah, a yeah. little and what she tweeted, which was so horrible, he loves to chow too much. I just thought, where is Roseanne thinking that she can just write these crazy tweets? And you gave the context of it. So we live in this digital world. We're on Zoom, you know, more than we need to be. Uh, and we're on social media, etc. How do we become kind with one another, one another in this digital world? And what happens when you have people like Roseanne trolling us or trolling yeah. you and they do things like this so what yeah. is what do we do you know i think there's a couple of things to go into I, I that is not my favorite chapter just in terms of whatever but it's been one of the most popular ones so i'm not surprised about that i think it it because i think there's something to people needing to realizing that i can't just react to everything i, I we're so reactive as a culture now that sometimes we have to think through why we're doing what we're doing. And so what I do is I, I just provide a bunch of filters. Uh, basically, I sat there and was like, well, how do I, I feel like I have a pretty healthy online presence and 95% of my interactions are positive. I, I generally don't step into interactions that I don't, that, that are not worth worthy of my time and energy. I feel like for some reason we, feel like we have to accept every invitation to every war that is out there and we don't have to do that and we believe that everybody 
is is entitled to our time or people think just because I was the moderator of a denomination that you now are entitled to my time. And that's not true. If you're going to be a jerk, I don't have to do that. Now, if you want to engage, that's totally different. But if you're just coming in, lobbing stuff in, I will block or mute you in a minute. So I don't have any problem with that. But I think what what I think one of the overarching cultural things for progressives especially is you know the the idea that if you're silent that you are in some ways right you're affirming it your silence is affirmation and while that is true in some context you can't respond to everything online like it's just physically impossible and so you can't carry that same idea into a Twitter space or a Facebook space or any of that because you can't. And what you end up doing is I think what happens is you begin to believe that you are the purveyor of all things that are right and just. And so it's my job to go and correct everybody. And I just, that's just not a place that I want to be in. So I have to think about how do I use my online time in a way that's most effective for me? Who am I amplifying? Right. What voices am I amplifying along with my own? I mean, I'm, I'm, unapologetically that we're all trying to amplify our voices in some way, but who else, right? Who else am I amplifying? Am I, am I retweeting or pushing the social media presence? I have pushing it towards organizations or people that are doing good work in the world. Am I as funny as I think I am? I think too many of us think like, we're not that like, I feel like I'm funny sometimes, sometimes I'm not, and I'm like, okay, that I'm not as funny as I think I am, and I'm not paid to be funny. Like that's not my. Uh, if you're a satirist and people are paying you, that's one thing. So I think people often forward stuff on that simply isn't helpful, and I think the biggest thing, the biggest filter is around: Are we engaging in tactics that we would condemn from other spaces? And I, I'm, President Trump is a great example. I try not to talk about him as 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 much as I can in the book, and it's probably too much. And they try to make me take more out, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to take more out. But I I watch my progressive colleagues when they critique President Trump, as if there weren't actual policy and actions to critique. Critique his hair, his skin color, his physical ability, his weight, all of the things that if I'm if I'm a person that happens to be heavier, and I've, I'm a person that's always struggled with weight, so now because he you you've determined that he is fat, he is awful, not because of his policies, but I'm going to go out and because uh, his hair isn't good, or he needs a he needs to use a handrail to walk down a ramp. I'm like, what kind of ableist kind of stuff is that and i only think about my friends who have reminded me over and over again the font that you use on your on your instagram or on your stuff has to be able to be read by people who have eyesight issues right if you're not putting descriptors of your images on your instagram posts your other things right all these things so i i want people as they're online is to think through these filters about how do we how do we encourage goodness in one another how do we impact in the way that we want it to impact without diving into the negative stuff that i think has has exacerbated these divides and so the filters that i offer in the book are really just a way for us to before you tweet what are you trying to do what are you trying to do and just take a breath take a step back like just don't fire stuff off like anything, right? I mean, it's just anyway. So yeah, it's I, I again these things have come natural to me over the years. And then I just sat down and I wrote them down. I'm like, oh, these seem to be good. And uh folks have found them helpful. Yeah, I think it's a very helpful thing, especially if you're targeting young kids, because they feel like they can just do whatever they want. There yep. won't be any consequences, but there are. Yeah. And 
everything gets saved on the web. <laughs> people, people don't realize it. So you have to be so careful. And I think the kindness rule is so important. Whatever we do online or in person, I think that's what we are called to do, to be kind. Yeah. So I thought that chapter was very, very important. And I really appreciated it. So I'm so glad you put that in. I'm glad that other people are appreciating uh, what you're saying about this uh, digital, because we are living in this digital world and, and so much of our presence is digitalized. So, you know, your book also talks about abusive relationships. So how are we to deal with abusive relationships and and do this kindness? So, yeah. I don't know. Did you uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll just just brief. I talk, I use my mother as a model in this one and, and uh, you know, that she was in a, uh, her second marriage was horrible and David was awful and uh, we were joking that he was Korean, so I was Bruce Kim for a while. Uh, but he was one of those. I tell a few stories in there that you know he the the my the the ultimate kind of illustration of David is that he would just get mad at me for no matter what. I was remember I was his stepson, which I think played into this a little bit. And um, there was one point I don't remember what I did. You know, I was probably just being five, like five year olds do. And and he was very much my way or the highway. And literally, so we were in the car, and I must have said something. Uh, and I granted I was a determined child. So, and he said, well, you could get out and walk then. And so I'm on, we're on the freeway and he makes my mother open the door. And as a five-year-old, he pulls over on the, on a freeway and I get out of the car and start walking. So, you know, that in itself, right there, it, so many parts in that are obviously flags for a person's personality and everything. And, um, you know, lots of different other things. He was physically abusive to me. I don't know about my mom. I, I would assume so, but you know, I, um, and, uh, my mom left him and, and it, same with my birth father, who I have a good relationship with now left him as well. Cause he was not in a good space when they were 19, when they had me. And I've always thought my mother took the best of who my grandmother was the grandmother I talked about before was her mom, like self-determined and um, willing to strike out on her own. And my mom made choices to be kind to herself, to, to say to herself, I am a complex created human and I need to act in a way that I believe that to be true. And for her, the kindness for her. And I think for David, the perpetrator was to no longer have that relationship and that situation be in existence. And so I think that part of kindness to ourselves is acknowledging and acting in a way that honors the humanity in ourselves. And so when my mother left my, my father and my stepfather, uh, those were gestures towards herself. And I think sometimes, especially for women, we don't encourage that. And, and, and I think more men need to do that because I think a lot of women encourage that among each other as in support and solidarity. But I think when, when, especially in relationship situations that we have to allow for people to make those choices without instantly, you know, in some conservative spaces that you're, you're giving up on a marriage or you're um, all this is in your head or don't make, you're being too sensitive or, you know, all the gaslighting that goes on. I just feel like we have to make these choices for ourselves sometimes. And, and more than not, culture has told, and I would say especially women, not to make that choice. So my mother is, has shown me, uh, and I hope my children and her grandchildren, that sometimes the best thing to do is to walk away. And I've, I've used that for myself. I'm like, I, I want to be as confrontational as the last person. But sometimes you've got to be able to step back and be like, this is not good for any of us involved. i got to step away. Even if it feels like you're giving in or you're giving up, it's not. You're actually taking on something better, and so uh, you know you're, yourself. So yeah, and actually, it does take a lot of courage to do that mm -hmm. to step away. So I'm so glad you covered. You know, your book covers so much in that small book. Actually, the, yeah. the wealth of of uh, and the context is so diverse and so good. So I really, really loved your book. And as we're kind of uh, wrapping up this uh, episode, you know, I what I really liked about the book is every section ends with these like tips or, you know, for you have mm -hmm. a for reflection and then try this. 
Yeah. So I really appreciate it. And I think that's really handy for not just young readers, but older readers who want to do and be different in this world and be more kind, especially, uh, you know, as we're celebrating AAPI um, Heritage Month, you know, there's so much abuse and, and violence toward Asian, Asian Americans here in the US and in other parts of the world. You know, how can we just learn to love and be kind? You know, yeah. that's so hard. So as we close, you know, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, there's so many practical tips and so forth. So can you share uh, one or two kind of practical mm -hmm. things that we can apply that's either in the book or you wish you put in the book after it got published. Yeah. Is there something that, you know, for, because we're all searching and I think our listeners are probably searching too. How can I live differently? Because you do talk about yep. forgiveness in this book, which is another whole thing. And if we had a whole day to talk about it, <laughs> I'll get into that forgiveness. Yep. But how do we, like, what is your final kind of words of wisdom yeah. of how we can live this way? So I, I think, you know, just, just quick, I think, to be kind, and I think you used this quote earlier in the week, right? This isn't just something you do. Like this isn't just okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna be kind to, and you just automate. Like it's a discipline, like anything else. To be anti-racist, to be you know a feminist, to be whatever. Like this is we've been trained not to do this, so now we have to choose to do it and be disciplined in it. So I encourage everybody the next time they're in any line, any line. To just think about what's a gesture of kindness to think about in the idea that any interaction you have in that line, whether it's with the barista or the person near you, that it's about understanding that that person may have a complex life going on. And how do you interact? Because I actually think that every interaction is either positive or negative. Very few neutral interactions in our lives. And so... Like if somebody feel, looks like they're in a hurry, I'll be like, hey, go go ahead. Why don't you just go ahead without being passive aggressive, right? I've seen people do it. We're like, oh, looks like you're in a hurry. Why don't you go ahead of me? Like, that's not helpful. I'm like, no, actually, why don't you go on ahead? And I'll just, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of hanging out. Like, and in a way that actually is a gesture of kindness that doesn't demand reciprocation. It's not transactional. It's just simply saying, oh, you're a complex person. And maybe you look like you're having a tough time. And just let like there's all these, but you have to think about it so that you don't do it in a way that is the antithesis of what you're trying to do. And that it's tiring. It's tiring, honestly. And so, uh, you know, but the more you do it, I think it's a muscle that we work on and you're going to pull it sometimes and it's going to be sore, but over time it becomes the natural way that we're being in the world. So that's what I hope for everybody. Oh, thank you so much, Reverend Bruce Reyes Child. It, this conversation, it was so enriching for myself and I'm sure for all the listeners. Thank you for, I know you're on vacation. Thank you so much for spending time with me on Madang Podcast. And I hope that you'll come back again to join me. Yes. So thank you so much. And the book is called In Defense of Kindness, published by Chalice Press. I hope everyone gets it, either digital or in hard copy. And then your audio will be coming out soon. Yeah, the audio will be, audio be out yeah. this summer. Yep. Oh, that's so exciting. So congratulations on your latest book. Thank you for spending some time with me. And I hope everyone else has a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Madame. Celebrate AAPI Heritage Month together and pre-order the book, Invisible, on FortressPress.com and any other place books are sold. Mandy Ford is an artist and teacher specializing in hope-filled products, including stickers and art prints, digital and printable products, and creative courses to help your soul live a happier life. She is also the founder of Soul Care Creatives Club, a monthly membership club offering creative resources for soul care. Find out more at www.mandyford.co, follow her on her social media at Mandy Ford Art, and visit her shop at Mandy Ford Art Etsy.com. Diana Butler Bass goes beyond the culture wars to offer a refreshing take on the comprehensive, multifaceted nature of Jesus, keeping his teachings relevant and alive in our daily lives. Join the Louisville Institute to celebrate the retirement of Don C. Ryder as Associate Director on June 28, 2021, from 3.30 to 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time via Zoom. For free registration, go to www.facebook.com slash Louisville Institute for more information. For sponsorship inquiries, please email madangpodcast.gmail.com.